Hallelujah. Would you lift your hallelujah? Come on, lift up your voice one more time. Praise the mighty name of the Lord. Oh, we bless you today. We bless you. We pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a wonderful presence of the Lord there is in this place. And I have a request. I'd like for the praise team to come back up when I get through and sing the first song we sang when we started service. All right? I have never felt more divinely anointed and appointed by God than I do right now. It will not be the most polished of sermons that you ever hear, but that doesn't matter. I hope the word comes across very clearly to you. We live in very troubling times, and when it seems that it can't get any worse, it does, and you think that nothing more could happen that would shock you, and yet something happens that shocks you the reality is that we are living out the end time all you need to do is read the book of Matthew chapter 24 or read Paul's writings to Timothy and 2 Timothy 3 and you see an apt description of the hour in which we live but I do not believe that God left a church in this hour to be sad and fearful and defeated. Amen. You know, I was thinking, and I just, my mind goes places when we're praising and worshiping, but I remember the first time we sang uh, that song, not the first one, but that second one. My mind's not working real good right now. No, the third one. What was the third one? <laughs> I've even called him. Well, where's the sheet at? It'll tell me what it is. We got off script here. Well, maybe I'm not as anointed as I thought I was. Well, my mind will work right in a minute. You'll have to pardon me how great you are. I remember the first time we sang that. I think we were in the gym. It emptied the pews. I don't believe anybody stayed in their pew that night. And I'm not saying this in a derogatory way, but I watched the response this morning and it took such a long time for it to dawn on us what we were singing about. And the response was a little more lethargic and a little slower. Now, it hasn't been but a couple of years that we were in the gym, and that song isn't more than a couple of years old. But in two years' time, how something moved us then and how it affects us now has changed And I think part of that is because of the hardening that takes place with living in 
the times in which we live. We get so hardened to some things because we don't want it to affect us. We don't want it to influence us that that sometimes shifts over to our spiritual life. And I really believe today that God wants to do something supernatural in this place. Amen. I I believe God wants to help give you and I a new perspective or a better perspective. And I believe that it is His will that we be in this place today. That God has ordained this hour. That He has ordained this time for you and I to give us a word. We sang about it. His word says it. That's why we, we stand on it. His word declares it. That's why we live it out. And sometimes that word becomes just another word and not the word in our life. And I feel like God is wanting to do something to bring his word back into preeminence in our minds, in our thinking, in our heart. That when we read other words, when we, I I read something this morning or yesterday that on an average day, people consume the equivalent of 13 newspapers by all the social media that we are involved in. That reading 13 newspapers in one day's time because of the amount of social media that we're exposed to. And yet the truth is that the majority of the stuff we read is junk. It's junk. It's fabricated. It's not true. It's slanted. It's tilted. It's biased. And we are consuming that on a daily basis. And so if we're not careful, we allow the words of the world to influence the word of God and we, 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 we de-elevate his word. We take that word down and we put it on the same plane. Folks, I got news for you. You better never allow that to happen in your life because it is the word that's going to get you through the hour in which we are presently living. It is the word that is going to help keep you stable in the most troubling of times. Now I'm going to do it different this morning, but you'll just have to bear with me. We're going to go to Psalms chapter 89. So if you want to turn there, you can be seated and we'll get started. Praise God. And I will read that psalm, gentlemen, in just a moment. So just bear with me. This particular psalm, in order for you to really understand what I feel the Lord was, would want me to say to you today, you need to understand the context in which it was written because then the impact and the import of the words and the order of the wording, is it, it, it makes a, a greater impact and you feel the significance of what the psalmist has done. But if you have a Bible like mine at the very top, 
uh, it tells you that this is a song of or a psalm of and it names who the writer would be and you get to understand a little bit about the uh, context and the, the meaning behind it. But one thing in particular that you must notice is that it is called a maskel or a maskel. It is a song in the Hebrew terminology that was for instruction. It was intended to teach and educate. And so it was a psalm that was re- re-read and retold over and over and over to re-educate and to teach and prepare those who were listening in the time in which they were living. So it did not have a significance only for that moment, but it was an eternal type song. It was a song that actually the writer begins, one translation said, my forever song. So it wasn't just for the time of the writing of this particular man, but it was a song for all times. It was to be sung and thought about in our generation, though we are thousands of years removed from when this song was written by the psalmist Ethan. And Ethan was uh, an interesting man. He was... Uh, considered one of the wisest men of the day. As a matter of fact, he was in the same category as Solomon. And Solomon is known in Scripture as the wisest man that ever lived. And Ethan was one of the wise men of the East. And he was renowned for his wisdom And it was compared to that of even Solomon. But it appears that Ethan lived longer than uh, the person that appointed him. According to history, David appointed Ethan to be a singer in the house of the Lord, in the temple, the tabernacle. Back then, it would be the temple when Solomon built it. But he was to be a singer And yet it appears that he lived longer than David and he lived into Solomon's reign. And it was in that reign where he saw Solomon begin to mix uh, the, the worship to Jehovah with idolatry that he began to see the downfall of Israel and he prophetically began to write of the things that he foresaw coming and what was going to happen in the future because of the decision that Solomon had made about the, 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 the kingdom and what he had allowed into his life. And, and so Ethan began to write of what he saw. And it appears that uh, Ethan was not the only one that was involved in this psalm, which is not unusual according to history. There are many psalms that were, that had more than one author, that had one, more than one person involved in their writing. One of them would begin the psalm and at a later date, another one would pick it up and read it and see the significance of what he had written about and realize that he was writing about the times in which we live.
And so it appears that this is what probably happened. Some even believe that Daniel could have possibly finished this psalm when he was in Babylonian captivity. But it began with Ethan. And Ethan was there with David and he was under the Davidic covenant and he remember, he knew all the promises and the assurances of God. And then he was under Solomon for a period of time and he saw under Solomon's reign the unraveling of the nation of Israel and he saw all that God had promised begin to come to pieces. And, and then later on, while they're actually living out what he foresaw coming, they pick up the pen and they finish writing this. And if you read this psalm, it's a lengthy one, uh, uh, 52 verses. Down at verse, I think, number 24 is when there's a transition in thinking and thought. And at that verse, you begin the rehearsal of what all they were going through and what all was happening to them. But basically, in a thumb, uh, thumbnail uh, picture of what uh, he was writing is that he was watching the walls of that nation and the people as they began to crumble. And he was mourning the apparent collapse of a covenant that he thought would never collapse. And that was the Davidic covenant. And he was watching as the buildings were tottering and the fabric of their society and culture was unraveling. And he saw the ruins everywhere and the heaps upon heaps as they would lie. And they did eventually come to that place. Jerusalem was torn down brick by brick. The temple was routed. It was burned. It was taken down. It was destroyed. And he is watching all of this happen. And he's reading what Ethan saw and foresaw because of of the decision that people had made about their relationship with God and they felt like they could mix a little bit of the world with a little bit of God and you could have a better religion. And you can't have a better religion. You just have a deluded, confused mess. Amen. And so it was. He saw it trembling, tottering, leaning, falling. He envisioned the cornice boards and the pillars coming down, the pinnacles of the temple being torn down. Everything of ornate and utility was broken and shattered and scattered and dislocated and the, the, the choicest things were taken into Babylonian captivity. And he's watching as even it appears, it appears that the covenant that God had made with David was going to be broken because of the idolatry that followed in Solomon's decisions. You see, you can make a decision in your lifetime that will affect generations to come. And Solomon made decisions in his life about what he was going to allow into his life and what he was going to allow into his home and into his world and what he embraced and all the wives that he married and all the idols that he set up to go along with the worship at the temple. And then when Rehoboam comes along, 
Rehoboam takes it to another level. And then if you read the downward spiral, there's a division in the kingdom. That's what happens when you get away from the real purpose of God. There's always going to be a division and a dividing. And out of that came Jeroboam. And from that point forward, there was a rivalry between the nations as they fought between one another because they had lost their purpose. They had lost their sense of God-centeredness. And when they lost that, they were in ruin. And here this prophet, this singer, this seer is riding and he's looking into the future and he's seeing where those decisions are leading them. He's seeing where those choices are going to take them and he literally is watching it unravel before him and now there's another man that's actually living out that torment. He's living out that particular situation. He is in Babylonian captivity. He has seen the nation crumble. He has seen all of that happen. And that's the background of the psalm. Now can I preach to you a little while? I want to talk to you about a song for the present darkness. Now would you start with verse 1. Let's go. In Psalm chapter 89. This is how this, the psalm I just described to you. This is how it begins. He knew all of what I just told you. He had seen all of what was going to happen. He was watching it unravel. But it begins with this. I will sing. And that particular phrase in the Hebrew means. This is my forever song. I will never stop singing this song. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Next verse. He said, I, for I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. Next verse. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. Selah, which means pause and think about what you just read. Pause and think about what's just been said. And pause and think about what has just happened. Here is a man that is in the darkest of night. Here is a man who is in the darkest of circumstances and yet in the darkest of night and the darkest of circumstances. He realized that he had a choice and that choice was I'm going to sing and this is going to be my forever song. I'm going to sing of the faithfulness of God. I'm going to sing of the mercies of God. I'm going to sing of the promises of God. I am going to sing of the goodness of God in the midst of that darkness. Next verse. And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. For who is the, for who in the heaven can be compared unto thee, Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? 
For God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. Next verse. O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee or to thy faithfulness round about thee? Do you get the context of what he's saying? In the, This is what he's saying in the midst of all of this darkness. This is what he is saying in the midst of all of these depressive things. All of the news that keeps coming in those 13 newspapers that you read every morning all of it's bad it's getting worse it's unraveling it's going to the devil it's going down the tube and yet in the midst of all of that he said oh God of hosts who is a strong Lord like unto thee or to thy faithfulness round about thee next verse he said it thou rulest the raging of the sea when the waves thereof arise thou stillest them next verse Thou hast broken Rahab in pieces as one that is slain and thou hast scattered thine enemies with thy strong arm. Next verse. The heavens are thine. The earth also is thine. As for the world and the fullness thereof thou hast founded them. The north and the south thou hast created them. Tabor and Hermon shall rejoice in thy name. Thou hast a mighty arm, strong is thy hand, and high is thy right hand. Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. One translation of that verse says, Blessed are the people that know the password of praise. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. Now, if you know the joyful sound, it's evidently because you have repeated that joyful sound. And this is what you and I have got to understand. That if we don't get this in our heart now, when it gets darker we may not be able to find these words. We need these words established in our heart right now. We need them chiseled across our heart and in our mind right now. When we wake up in the morning, when we go to bed at night, we need these words chiseled into our thinking. Blessed is the people that know the password of praise. They shall walk, O Lord, In the light of thy countenance. It doesn't matter how dark it gets. It doesn't matter how evil the days are. It doesn't matter how wickedness comes. It doesn't matter how wicked wickedness becomes. When you know the password of praise. He said you're going to walk in light. Woo. Yeah, that ought to say something to somebody. You'll walk in the light of thy countenance. Next verse. Not only that, but in thy name shall they rejoice all the day. And in thy righteousness shall they be exalted. Next verse. For thou art the glory of their strength. And in thy favor our horn shall be exalted. For the Lord... For the Lord, 
Come on, somebody, read it with me. For the Lord is my defense. For the Lord is my defense. For the Lord is my defense. And the Holy One of Israel is my King. I don't know who the President of the United States may be next year or the year after that or the year after that. It doesn't matter. What I do know is that my King reigns eternal and there is a purpose and there is a plan that He has worked out for my life and for this world. Woo! Oh, and so sitting in this darkness, what does his mind go to? His mind goes to the faithfulness of God, the mercies of God. Folks, listen to me. I don't know that we fully understand what those, he uses those two words seven times in this psalm, by the way. Seven times he talks about the faithfulness of God. Seven times he talks about the mercies of God. When he talks about the mercies of God, he's talking about the supreme, superlative, loving kindness of God. It's not just love. It's love to the nth degree. It's not just love, but it's love beyond measure. And that's what he has his mind focused on. This is interesting. Yale... Yale University studied 20 years of people's lives that had come out of their college. And they noticed a trend between the groups that some of them were successful and some of them were not. And what they discovered was that their view of life had to do greatly with how long they lived. And in their study, they found out that people that had a positive way of looking at life or they had a better perspective of life than whatever the present circumstances may be saying, they lived 7.6 years longer than those who didn't. Do you understand what I'm telling you right now? That when you don't have the right perspective of life, you're actually killing yourself. You're dooming yourself if you allow the darkness to be the prevalent color of your life and you allow the negative junk that's going on around us to be the needle that is the direction in your life. Somewhere you and I have got to recapture the power that is in our song. And that song is able to help keep us focused on what we need to be focused on in this critical hour. Woo. Praise God. He said, I will sing. Ethan's song in his time of darkness was a song of faith in a time of fear. Listen to me, church. I'm going to tell you according to scripture that the days are going to become more and more fear-filled. 
but as a child of God, your life must become more faith-filled. Every day of your life, you need to wake up and remind yourself, this is my forever song. The Lord's great mercy and the Lord's faithfulness, they are with me even to this very moment and they will never fail. They will never fail. Governments are going to fail. I understand there's a man of uh, that, that's going to arrive, the Antichrist. We all know about that. We know there's going to be one. We know it's going to get worse. We know all of that. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. That in the midst of all the junk in which we are now living, uh, there ought to be a mindset pressed deep into our thinking uh, that said, hey, I've got news for you. I read a book one time and I know how the story ends I know how this is going to all wrap up and I worship that king today I praise that king today I glorify that king amen it was a song of thankful memories in the time of present calamities. This is what is so interesting to me. When he talks about the loving kindness, and he uses that word seven times, he is actually turning their view backwards to look back over your life and look at where God has brought you from. Look back to what all God has brought you through. Think about that. 2022. Think about all that we've been through just in the last five years. A devastating flood, COVID that reordered everybody's day. And yet there is a common thread that's woven through every day. And that is of the loving kindness of God. It is the mercy of God. It is that God who is greater than your circumstances that was able to get you through your circumstances. Do you ever wonder if Joseph ever stopped and looked back at, at, at where he had been and all the torturous journey he had been through from a prison and the hatred of his brothers and the lies that were told on him and then sitting there incarcerated, an innocent man convicted of something that he did not do and he looks back over over his life and every time the hand of an enemy was raised against him he saw another hand rise up bigger and push and, and, and move that hand yeah that's exactly what happened because this is what Joseph said in the end you intended you meant it for evil God meant it for good so that means when the enemy was trying to work his business God had his hand on that business it would only let him do so much why? Because God is the author of your life, not your circumstances. And God is the author of your future, not what you're going through right now. And so when the singer looks back and he sees what all God has brought him through, he can then turn to the future and think of the faithfulness of God. His faithfulness is new every morning. Every morning. 
new faithfulness. That's my future. Listen to me, folks. When you're surrounded by that kind of power, why should you be afraid of present circumstances? Now, I'm not saying we're not going to be affected by them. I don't like high gas prices. I don't like going to the grocery store and paying $500 more a month for what I bought last month or or two months ago or four months. I don't like that any more than you do. But I want to step back a moment from all of the chaos that's going on around me and realize I still have a song. I have a song to sing. I have something to tell the world. I might be down, but I'm not out. I said, I might be down, but I'm not out. Yeah, I may be in circumstances, but I'm not without help. I may be in troubling time, but I'm not without company. God is with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. And you and I need to recapture that song in our heart because we're going to need it for the present darkness in which we live. Otherwise, we're going to believe the junk that's being perpetrated on the world every day and we're going to think, what's the use in what we're doing? This is just a big joke anyway. And the reality is, that's a joke. This is the truth. Come on, clap your hands and praise Him right now. Singers, get ready. Amen. Come on, Brother Clyde. If you don't, I won't ever shut up. I hadn't even got to the best part yet. At least the best part to me. The third thing that I want you to note about this singer in the midst of darkness is that he had a song of joy in God alone even when God's ways seem past finding out when I cannot trace God's working I still trust him when I cannot figure out now God this is not right this this shouldn't be happening we are your people I, I, I thought I I thought we were going to be protected from all of this. Even when you cannot trace the workings of God, you still trust Him. I don't know where God's at. I've looked behind me. I've looked in front of me. I've looked to my left. I've looked to my right. God has disappeared. I don't know where God is, but God knows where I am. God knows where I am. And when I have been tried, I shall come forth as pure gold. You don't get the importance of that, my friend. That all that you're going through right now is just perfecting you. It is just bringing something better out in you that could not have been brought out under any other circumstance. You can't get the gold to shine 
without the heat of the fire. It takes the heat of the furnace to separate from that gold those things that are not gold so that only the pure remains. And so God said, I'm going to let you go through some things. It's going to be hot. You're going to squirm. You're going to cry. You're going to beg. You're going to plead. You're going to wonder. God, what happened? Why did you allow this to happen to me? And the fire just seems to be turned up a little hotter. What's it doing? We think it's destroying us. It's not, it's defining us. It's not destroying anything. It's defining what's going to remain. It's defining that you're, there's something in you that's going to stand whatever comes against you. There's something in you that's going to stand whatever comes against you. There's something in every one of us that is going to stand whatever is coming against us. And this is the value of your song. The Hebrew word for song has multiple homonyms. The word that is used here in Psalms 89 is sure. And it can mean a wall. A wall. And when we feel that we are up against a wall, it's time to sing and see ourselves break through that wall by faith. That's the power in your song. That when you come up against something that seems unresolvable, if you will remember your song and you will open your mouth. And what's interesting is he didn't just open his mouth. He used his pen. Three different things. His heart, his mouth, and his pen are referenced in what he did. He didn't just talk about it. He sang about it. And he wrote about it. And he thought about it. Morning and evening. Some of us, all we ever do is just sing about it when we come on Sunday. But we don't do anything else about it on Monday. Here's what you've got to do. You've got to get it in your heart and mind. So you feel it every morning when you get up. And then you've got to open your mouth. And you've got to speak it. And then when you get on Facebook, you've got to put it in words. But sir, which is the word for song, can also mean to behold or to perceive. Which means that when you sing to God in that abandoned spirit of worship, you're going to perceive His glory, His majesty, His power is greater than the wall that stands before you. Amen. And because of that song, you're going to be able to sing in the midst of the darkness. Amen. The root of the word for song is sir, S-U-R. And it has the same word or it is the same word for having dominion over something. 
So literally, when you learn how to sing, you are taking dominion over your present circumstances and not allowing them to have dominion over you. I want to ask you today, does anybody need a song? Everybody needs a song. I said everybody needs a song. And we need to get our mouth open and we need to learn how to sing it again. We need to remember what that song says. And every day that it actually gives us dominion over the problems that we're facing. It gives us dominion over the spirits that we are encountering. It is the same word that is used in the book of Genesis when God gave man dominion over the things of the earth so that when you sing and you worship and you exalt the Lord, it takes dominion over your thoughts. It takes dominion over your fears. It takes dominion over your doubt. It takes dominion over whatever may be against you. Come on, I want you to stand with me right now. And we're going to close this song out or this service out with a song. Amen. And I don't want you just see, they're going to put the words up there. But make sure you start writing them in here. Writing them up here. Come on, let's sing. I'm going to sing in the middle middle of the storm. Louder and louder. Come on, somebody. Hear my praises roll.